0: What if that ship didn't even exist? Did you ever think about that? I didn't know. So now if I went and made a major security situation out of it, everybody steps in, administration steps in, and there's no exclusive rights for anybody. Nobody wins. So I made a decision, and it was wrong. It was a bad call, Ripley. It was a bad call. Bad call? These people are dead, Burke! Don't you have any idea what you've done here? Well, I'm gonna make sure that they nail you right to the wall for this. You're not gonna sleaze your way out of this one. Right to the wall. Hello and welcome to the inaugural... Inaugural is the right word, isn't it? Yeah. Inaugural uh, Film Podcast, Film Ireland Film Podcast. Uh, we are we are, uh, we are Film Ireland uh, writers, etc. Um, my name is Donnacha Tiernan. Hello. Uh, this is Rory Moore. Hello. And uh, we're going to be taking through this week's film news, etc. All of that nonsense. Um, it's been a terrific week in particular for Irish film. Uh, we're just on, on the edges of T- uh, Temple Bar here where... Thousands of hopefuls have lined up all day to be in Vikings, and you can just see the vast majority of them with strictly gel back hair and you know, silly tattoos yeah. on their faces. That no, they're just going to turn you away, brother. Who were Vikings by way of Jersey Shore? I could see it happening. Right? But <laughs> it they are far too pretty. I've seen some mental crazy people leaning against the line, just watching the people across the way drinking cider who yeah. stand probably more of a chance than these people. So yeah, bustling with film news. It's a real filming atmosphere. This week we're going to bring to you a review of uh, Frank. It's a more eagerly anticipated uh, Irish film. We don't get many of those, let's let's be honest about it. But first of all, before we do any of that, we're going to go with movie news. Um, on, big on the radar this week is... Uh, I hate I just hate the arrogance of the, this nonsense. I Z- hate that it's news. I hate that we're even talking about it. Yeah. Right. Z- Zack Snyder. Who, Snide Zack Snyder. Snyder who I, I'm convinced just has an inner monologue of you see the, the trailers for that film Fred last year with the squeaky voice child yeah, I think yeah. he must say all of Zack Snyder's monologue I think except he must have dictated him the idea to more, more sweatiness if an inner monologue
1: could have just a feeling of teenage sweatiness to it yeah it's
0: yeah oh god it's awful like I mean you know you can have some sympathy for maybe an adult mind that's stalled in childhood but one that's stalled just being a, a you know a horny teenager yeah I'm sorry I have no time for this anyway the news is he has tweeted the the exhaust pipe of a maybe Batmobile from under a tarp to get us excited about his would be Superman Batman film it's possibly the most teenage thing I can think of it's
1: like look look here's a picture of a car
0: Oh, God. It's but it's just... a car
1: that's stripping. You can only see half of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's tantalising.
0: It's just, I mean, like, once a week they're coming up with new things to try and make us excited about this film. And I just
1: am not Yeah. And are we, like, are we supposed, I, I feel like, are we going to talk about, you know, how it's more like Tim Burton's Batman thing? Is it even worth that, kind that of that's conversation? It, that's, oh,
0: that's what it's going for. Yeah, 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 yeah. The wide wheels are the tumbler, but the length is the Tim Burton. yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's just no. And the girth is bigger than you think, wider <laughs> than you think. Okay, it's cold outside. I mean, what do they need to do more with this movie? They've got like a like they're telling us there's a Wonder Woman one week, um, which Did I was mentioned a Martian Manhunter at one point. Oh no, they can't. But they cannot bring Martian Manhunter. But no, you the know way, they're talking about how it's going to be. Um, like a sneaky Justice League movie. No, because there has been, uh, it's been announced now that Zack Snyder will in fact direct the Justice League Oh, I know that, but like the
1: Justice League one has been slated for this Martian
0: Manhunter, no. You don't think so? Do not bring him to screen ever. And to be honest, I'll be, I've, I've never actually, I've never read any Wonder Woman. I've never read any Martian Manhunter. I've no desire to see either of them on screen. I feel like Wonder
1: Woman can work, but if you go back and start from the ground up, in a way, and take away the uniform.
0: Just change the uniform. Well, don't take away the maybe take away the maybe take away the, the uniform. <laughs> I, I think those versions of the movie have been done. That's something we want to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all for feminism in comic books, but Wonder Woman sucks. Sorry, who said that? That's too, oh, but anyway,
1: I disagree, but we'll
0: carry on. Uh, yeah, now uh, other movie news we have this week. Uh, Rory, you've got something. H or Geiger is dead. H.R. Geiger is dead. Why'd you give me the bad news? That's not fair. <laughs> we should have heard that, heard that one first, I suppose. H.R. Uh, Geiger is dead. Um, for anybody who needs any filling in into who H.R. Uh, Geiger was, uh, please Google H.R. Geiger and uh, see uh, what that's to Turn like. off safe search and see what happens. H.R. <laughs> Geiger uh, designed the... Um, the Xenomorph, yeah. uh, which actually, they're never called Xenomorphs in the movie, or in any of the movies. No. So, uh, The Alien, uh, of originally Ridley Scott's Alien, and eventually the Alien franchise. A fantastically phallic film monster uh, that will live in infamy. Yeah, uh, like I actually, I don't know, he keyed into something that just, horror
1: films don't usually get me, but I was trying to eat a spaghetti dinner while watching Aliens the other day, and it was hitting towards the climax, it's the wrong word to use here, but it was the climax of the film, where... Um, Ellen Ripley is she goes back searching for Newt and starts tearing her out of all the organic tissue in the wall and oh. it was just there was stuff flying and I was like I can't eat while I'm
0: watching this so fair play H.R. Gagger hey, that's yeah. your legacy you made uh, me slightly queasy at dinner the, uh, the, the, he actually originally got that job he, he produced a, a book in 1977 of his um, work uh, called a. Uh, Geiger's Necromicon, which is, I believe, named after the unholy book from H.P. Lovecraft fiction, ties an awful lot of the stories together, bad things happening from the book. And Ridley Scott actually contacted him directly and had him design the xenomorph, the rest is history. But more interesting for me, because I've I've recently seen uh, this documentary, uh, is he took part in the um, infamous pre-production to uh, Jodorowsky's Dune film that never got made, but that did feature... Salvador Dali to play Duke Aridlito, uh, Orson Welles who'd be receiving a million a day to play the Baron von Harkonnen, um, and would have his favorite chef French chef imported from Paris for the duration. It's quite baroness. I mean, he the, was Hungarian, he was method acting there. I think. Uh, shoot, I mean, this stuff was crazy. But if you actually if you see Geiger's um, drawing, concept art for it, fantastic, like um giant Buddha buildings with Orson Welles' face on them and yeah. that's the sort of place that he, that he lived in or the, the the tech design for the sandworms was he made them slightly like more angular which was a They were like machine like yeah, 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 yeah It was, it was all very interesting and it was all uh, hooked in with uh, Jodorowsky's uh, uh, original uh, concept designs I mean he never really like he, he's not mentioned ever really in the same breath as uh, Sam Winston, or the true genius of uh, concept artistry, Jim Henson. But fair to say, he created something really unique, and I can't genuinely, I think any conversation with, with favourite movie beast has to has start to with, except except the Xenomorphs. You can't say the Xenomorphs.
1: Yeah. Well, as Xenomorph. When you get lots of them together, they get less and less and less. Oh, this is
0: true, yeah. Yeah just to
1: go back to Dune like um, not to say way too much but I'm kind of glad that that film is one of the great most famous films never made mm. in a way because because it was going to be made in the 80s Ah uh, yeah, and I don't, I'm not a fan of David Lynch's Dune, and I love the book. And you're not. A
0: oh, you see, oh, there's bits of it that I'm that I'm fan uh, a fan of, but ultimately, I don't think David Lynch really grasped what that story. I wish he'd
1: gotten his own script. Mm. I'd like to see someone realize, and I'm not saying it needs to be word for word. I'm not one of those purists, but I'd like to see someone realize what's in the book on an epic scale on the screen instead of saying, "I like this,
0: I'll do this," and cut out the other ninety percent. You know? Yeah. Um, but it, it, but one of the great things it, it. one of the great things about, the D- about Dune about doing though is essentially i mean it, it it's so it's so literary yeah it's so it's constructed literature it does not lend itself easily to screen oh um, absolutely
1: and yeah like the, my go to description for it is it's like any kind of fantasy epic but it's science fiction's version of it and science
0: fiction kind of doing it better mm. um out of i like H. R. Geigers worm sandworms would have been outstanding i would have loved to, like I, I can't i would have loved to have seen his uh his, what are they still suits I would have, yeah, yeah how, how he would have done like a, a fremen architecture or even future architecture it would yeah. be fantastic it's just
1: mental to think that he would have been starting with a monster that was phallic to begin with what the hell
0: would have happened <laughs> <like>? <laughs> from two th- from 1940 to 2014 i'm sure he got a lot done may he rest in peace hear you hear you Alright, so uh, moving right along we've got a section that uh, we're very fond of in the show in which uh, we challenge one another and give one another homework. This week, uh, I I think from now on we're going to probably try and stick them both in the same sort of category but this week I just picked a film that I liked and Rory picked a film that he liked and neither of us had seen either of them. Uh, So here we go, I gave you Rory Paul Thomas Anderson's immediate follow up to Magnolia, Punch Drunk Love. Uh, I gave you Once Upon a Time in the West. Oof. Yes. Third year old anyone. Anyway. And a treat it was. Fantastic film.
1: But yeah, I suppose Puncher and Glove, I'll, I'll open with that. Um, it's actually only the second Paul Thomas Anderson film I've seen. Really? Yeah, I've only seen Magnolia um, before that. You keep telling me to watch There Will Be Blood, but... To I
0: should it, be telling you to watch all of them. I know, I? yeah, but
1: There Will Be Blood is one I keep meaning to watch, but you keep saying, don't go with DVD, go big screen, wherever that's going to happen. But um, yeah, yeah Puncher and Glove. I quite enjoyed it. I didn't know what to expect, because... Um, it's I only I've only known it as Paul Th- Thomas Anderson's um, Adam Sandler film, pretty much, <laughs> yeah. and that one film that Adam Sandler is kind of good in, because um, I'm not I'm not his biggest fan. I don't hate him, but when I see him in a film, I just think, oh, you're going to be red faced and angry. Okay, and that's pretty much what we get here. But it's it's a
0: uh, it, well, like yeah, no, it it, it it but um, it's I I what I, always, I what always loved about it is it seems as though Paul Thomas Anderson might have watched Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, enjoyed them, and said. I can take that to a yeah, different place let's,
1: let's build this into the story yeah. Yeah, I suppose just a quick synopsis of it first uh, you have Adam Sandler playing Barry Egan who is like he's just this almost aggressively agreeable kind of what is he a sales executive or something in a warehouse he seems to like acquire anything and sell it to anyone kind mm. of thing and uh, not in a criminal way just in a he has no particular direction in life he's a del boy a little bit except he's not charming enough he, an autistic del yeah. boy <laughs> maybe um <laughs> Which is, yeah, uh, that's probably a bit unfair. But He's
0: quite, annoying. You know, he is. He's quite nervous and bad at yeah, communication. Yeah,
1: and he has um, seven sisters and he's just overwhelmed by life. Um, there's it's one nearly
0: he, a brother's grim modern societal situation that he lives in. It's a horror
1: story. Like, yeah, in a way, um, yeah, basically you have him um, kind of, he meets this woman who desperately wants to connect with him and he's not sure what to make of it. And then there's also this... Lebe um, Emily Watson? Yeah, played by Emily Watson. And uh, you have this subplot where he calls a phone sex line and um, gives out his credit card details and the lady on the other end of the line tracks him down this way and starts to extort him on behalf of um, an Aldi brand crime boss. It's Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, In
0: truly scummy form. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And, yeah, essentially the film is kind of... We just see Barry going from being really kind of... um, Straight-laced and
0: long-suffering to just moments of incredible rage. What I really enjoy about it is the, the two moments where you see him most angry. You can see that the bo- both of the belts of anger are powered by opposite, uh, opposing forces. One is uh, just by hate and annoyance when he's at the hands of his sisters. And yeah. one is by love and it's really sweet. And it's, it's
1: violent. But the yeah the, the thing about that is um that first scene you're talking about say the one motivated by the sisters it comes out of nowhere they're talking about that, telling embarrassing stories of him as a child and he's doing the kind of Adam Sandler half laugh mm. kind of like <laughs> thing and then the next shot of him you just hear glass shattering
0: and he's kicking through all these patio doors and then the next scene is when these thugs from the sex line they 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 pursue him and uh, sort of crash into his car and he like he's really fallen for uh, Emily Watson at this point and uh, then um, she gets a bloody nose and there's just this explosion of violence but it's really just inspired by just just a bloody nose on her Yeah, but I think the, the best thing about
1: that is how calm he is when he goes about it. He mm. gets incredibly violent but he just gets out of the car with a small f-
0: smile and a crowbar and stuff starts to happen. yeah. And uh, what 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 do you think of uh, the sound in the film? Because this, a, long, a lot of it was written on set inspired by the moods of the actors. Yeah, it was, uh, I was telling you this, I watched it with headphones on and I almost went
1: insane because the first, I th- I'd say even 20 minutes is just absolute silence. He's there in the early hours of the morning in a warehouse, the warehouse he works in on his own, making calls and it's quite sad and you start to sympathise with him and then the moment the warehouse begins to get more crowded, things start going on, the sound kicks in and it's, I don't even know what to describe it, it's just like, every form of background noise you could find something that irritates you and you don't even know what it is Mm. thrown in together and it was just it's yeah it really really gets to you
0: uh, yeah Anderson actually continues on with this sort of uh, score um, experimentation but he actually ended up using Johnny Greenwood for the following two movies but for, along the same lines oh, like as opposed like almost directly inspired by the mood on screen like I mean it, there will be blood opens in a scorching desert and all you hear is a massive orchestral swirl of a million like it's nearly irritating but Punch Drunk Love is truly out there for soundtrack experimentation yeah like there are points where where it's just completely off rhythm it's nearly nauseating yeah
1: and it, it's, it's laid over these just kind of banal family scenes and normal like day to day work scenes where people are just annoying with silly questions and you can
0: just nearly see him fidgeting at how much the yeah. world is grating on him. But fun fact, uh, there's a subplot in the film as well where he uh, collects all these coupons. for oh, yeah, frequent flyer miles. That is the story that inspired the whole thing. That's a true story. Yeah, um, of a man who did manage to scam millions of frequent Fire miles by picking up a uh, multi packs of yogurt and all six barcodes within the. Pack entitled him to uh, more frequent flyer modes
1: yeah again he's he's an Aldi brand quim, criminal quite like um, <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman but yeah that final scene between Philip Seymour Hoffman and Barry or uh, Adam Sandler not mm. to be spoilery but there's just like because uh, the moment you introduce Philip Seymour Hoffman he has he wears the kind of rage that Barry's trying to suppress he wears that on mm. his sleeve and they're both just face to face like <laughs> centimetres apart roaring at one another and yeah it's special Maybe so, miss that Philip Seymour quite a bit actually. Yeah.
0: So would you? Uh, would does that go out with a recommendation?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely pick it up. But maybe. Well, no. Do watch it with headphones. And that's the effect. But you know, might smash your patio doors after.
0: Now, once upon a time in the West. This was my second time ever, uh, ever even hearing of this film. Um, I picked up the DVD one time before when it came out originally. Um, it, it came out originally uh, with a review. It came on a re-release on DVD, and it came with an Empire review that said it was the greatest Western ever. Now I'm a massive Western fan, and I I was at the time, and I picked it up as maybe a 15 year old, and to be quite honest, it bored the bejesus out of me, and I turned it off. Now that must I really wasn't ready for this film. You were you wanted a Zack Snyder movie at that stage, <laughs> I think. <laughs> no, I I think I more wanted like a, a, my favorite Western, and still my favorite western one of my favorite films um is the wild bunch uh, sam peckinpah's the wild bunch and i was expecting something along the lines of that at this point i hadn't actually seen uh, even the dollars trilogy i've since watched the dollars trilogy numerous times and getting around to once upon a time in the west it just felt appropriate um now i became immediately excited by one point in this movie and that was just the opening credits because it was something that I didn't realise. You're scrolling down through it. They're telling you who wrote the story, who directed it, who edited it. And then it just tells you that the story was conceived and structured. The story was come up by with a combination of minds. And those were Sergio Lido Uni, Bernardo Bertolucci and Dario Argento. Which is just... And apparently... And I, I watched documentaries with The Making of Afri- Apparently they just sat around for two years watching westerns. Uh, classic westerns because the entire film the interesting thing is it's n- there's not an, an original story beat in it yeah it, well you
1: can basically you, you can knock it down to basic character types but it's what it does with those that I enjoy I mm. suppose
0: I, but I, I like that's I I don't think that yeah there's not an original story beat in it but he it's first of all it's like a it's literally like a, a love hymn to westerns in a lot of ways because it has all the tropes that you'd expect but it also has very distinct Leonisms and the feeling that you you can just tell that they threw budget at him after the, um, yeah. after the dollars films because they're so crisp and clear and he didn't want to make this western another thing I understood about it but then the studio offered him the right to use Henry Fonda who he uses ingeniously as a villain yeah. and his gorgeous blue eyes on screen just <laughs> displaying dastardly evil is just it really plays with you it affects you. So the main story of Once Time in the West. First of all, yeah, to begin the 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 story, we've got one of the greatest opening scenes in film history. Yeah. Uh, three boys waiting at a train station, no dialogue, drip drip drip. Uh, turns Some the sound design. design. On, uh, harmonica plays. The rest is history. The so this new fella, harmonica, who was to be played by Clint Eastwood. Um, this new fella comes in town, harmonica, just messing around with people. See, like he's he's really intimidating, but nobody knows exactly why he's there. A fella at the very start of the movie, then McBain, is him and his entire family are murdered. They live out of this farm in the middle of the desert, and you're basically wondering the 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 action. Of the film is who did this, why did it, did this, and what the hell harmonica is doing hanging around the place. Yeah, because then then at the center of the action comes along this woman who McBain was to marry um, who is played by a Claudia what's her name now Claudia Cardinal who I was so taken by and Rory Moore can attest to this that she has now made up the background of my phone I noticed that earlier this yeah. woman is insanely beautiful um, the, th- the sort that you only got from 1970s Italy, to be it how, right. is, how is Cheyenne's beard not your wallpaper
1: what's that about it a beard in Cheyenne's years.
0: got a great beard in it and Cheyenne is my favourite character in the film by a country mile yeah um, all in all I absolutely love this I loved every second of it I still would prefer the uh, it, um, the good the bad and the ugly but aside from that I'd say it was Leone's best film it's just an absolute masterpiece it's shot with it, 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 like it. it it uses all his tricks, but it, the, from the Dollars trilogy, but it in a more mature way. Nearly, yeah. Like you know, the um, when, as gradually in the in the third act, as a harmonica story is being reveal, revealed, it'll float back to this great um, the the harmonica theme from the film, the music theme by uh, Neo Morricone, um, and it keeps going back to it, and you just get this out of focus picture. And we just know we're eventually going to see the end of this out of focus picture and uh, learn Harmonica's full origin story. But it is just a powwow of tension. It's like for the last 40 minutes of the movie, the Mexican standoff from uh, Good, the Bad and the Ugly is going on. Just so much cutting to this and origin and what. But there's so much happening that it's almost like Mm. it's not just. And he meditates on what leads up to violence as well. Yeah, absolutely, because it's not,
1: that's what I was going to say, it's not just a revenge tale, like that's kind of the Mm. afterthought, that all the action happens and you're waiting for the film to end and you're like, oh wait, we still have to resolve this, Harmonica has to kill someone or get killed, Yeah. but um, yeah, I I suppose what grabbed me about it and the the reason I recommended it is because, okay, now that uh, with all my branded college education and uh, internet accessing accessing self-importance, I know that it's kind of the Western and I know why it's famous, but I saw it when I was a hell of a lot younger. And what grabbed me was I was 10 minutes in. There had been no dialogue or little to know. I didn't know what was happening.
0: And I was sitting there kind of thinking, why am I still watching
1: it? And what's going to happen next?
0: Like, uh, if nothing, if nothing else, I mean, yeah. If you just want to see why you should wa- watch as much Sergio Leone as possible, the first ten minutes of this movie will get yeah, better than anything no else. With no dialogue in this and incredible sound design. Yeah, I mean, there's like the man can do great openings to to films. There's no question about that. Another great one else actually is in his final film, um, "Once Upon a Time in America," with Robert uh, De Niro stumbling into the opium den. Yeah, is very very good opening, but it's still this. Um, you'll see, like even the the final shot of this opening scene is just a very famous image in itself. It's the poster, it's the poster boy for westerns. You just see these three lads in dust trench jackets spinning around with Charles Bon Bronson's harmonica figure in between the legs of a, one of the other ones. Yeah, like just at a distance out of shot. It's a terrific film. This one goes on a definite recommendation. Um, yeah, if you want to get way into uh, westerns, go do it. And one final thing that I I, I was I loved about it is all the old western tropes it uses they're from 1950s John Ford westerns where there was never blood and they're not shy about blood in Once Upon a Time in the West yeah they
1: kind of ground the tropes I suppose Mm. but uh, do you remember the absolute it's my favourite one liner from not even any western I think any film uh, a threatening comeback when Charles Bronson's character asked the three men waiting for him did they bring a horse for him and they kind of turn to one another and laugh and say, "Oh, I guess we only got three. We forgot you." And he slowly shakes his head and goes, "No,
0: you brought too too many." Yeah. <laughs> Very good. I and to be honest, I don't think uh, I don't think East would have worked a, would have worked as well. No, I, like again, I saw it before I
1: even knew who Clint Eastwood was. Besides that lad, on the tell you, what Charles Bronson is just iconic for me, and probably um, because of his like oddly burnt leather face. I don't <laughs> know. But there, there's something so it, it, he's both boyish and threatening when he needs to be it has yeah I could go on with this film all day I'll stop it's a
0: great movie it's a great movie and that comes with a definite recommendation now before we get too bogged down in 1968 spaghetti westerns let's get to the modern era and review a few films from this week or films that are currently in the cinema the first we're going to tackle is the big Irish release one of the few we get per year um, Lenny Abraham's am I saying that right Abrahamson 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 God lovely Irish name That. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lenny Abrahamson's Frank, yeah. which uh, opened in cinemas this week.
1: Last Friday, yeah.
0: Last Friday. Um, we've both seen this. Just to give you a bit of a rundown, Lenny Abrahamson. Uh, the, uh, first of his work that I saw is Adam and Paul, um, and to the, was to this point my favourite. Now, as you can already tell, I really, really did like Frank. Um, he, he's a, writer, a writer-director writer of huge prowess. He didn't write Frank, Now, on the other hand. Um, but this is, what is, fifth film in? Uh, He's doing Garage, what Richard did, and this is fourth, I believe, fourth. Yeah. Um, it's it's the story of the centerpiece of a prog rock band. I'm going to say, Um very enigmatic figure, um, who constantly wears a giant papier-mâché mask, which is a replica of a mask worn by. BBC, no, a, a character called Frank Sidebottom during the 1970s who was a bit of a cult icon but essentially it was nothing like the Frank in this picture. Yeah, absolutely nothing. Um, I've, I've looked at the, this guy, was pretty much a Saturday morning cartoon. He used to talk when his nose was like that like and say phrases like, Cole Blimey. Um, and if Donald Gleason, his character is a, an ambitious yet terrible songwriter um, who decides to, who gets the lucky opportunity to join the band and go and record. Uh, with them in Ireland, um, the other members of the band amongst who, um, including uh, Maggie. Maggie Gyllenhaal. Uh, and very famously, of course, we've got Michael Fassbender under the mask. And if you're come if you coming along to the cinema for the good looks and fine cheap ones of Michael Fassbender, you'll be, for the most part, sorely disappointed. But you'll pay attention to all his other fantastic <laughs> qualities. He really acts the hell out of it. And it's basically how... Donald Gleason breaks, sort of edges his way into the band and into the, you know, makes himself a little bit important amongst these artistic yeah. figures. I am, um, I
1: think, I there was for anyone who's seen a preview that was released to this months ago. I think it was um, possibly before Christmas even. Um, there was a quick preview of you know, the montage scene in the middle uh, where they're mm. yeah, narrating right, all their new musical techniques and basically it ends with him kind of snootily looking out and going saying I plan to place myself at the very heart yeah. of this and I can remember finishing that clip thinking, Jesus, he I don't know, is that the best promotional clip he mm. comes across as a bit of a shit in this and, and he the film. he's and a total shit yeah, well this is the thing I, I've been talking he's to he's both
0: protagonist it. and villain
1: yeah, but I, I've been talking to people about it and a lot of people conclude no, he was just trying to do the best for the band now n- not to spoil anything but he essentially those people are morons what did you think of this film? Uh, really 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 enjoyed it I'm a bit sceptical about parts of it but um, overall I thought it was fantastic really really funny brilliantly acted um, despite the fact that you know Michael Fassbender is the marketing note because he's under a paper mache head and why the hell is that happening Don Gleeson for me was the best in it it um, was, yeah, yeah. If uh, it were a competition, like everyone was fantastic. The music even. Like and I was gonna say uh, how
0: would you pronounce the name of the band? Oh uh
1: Superfubs? By dispensing with every vowel I know, I suppose. S-
0: Subtrafoobs. Sorambs. Uh, exactly. But uh I would be much the same as you. I loved this. I thought it was hilarious, quite often moving um like very quite often yeah. moving yeah yeah uh, to be to be fair i, I did like it does also, attempt to approach mental health as well it does yeah um mental health artistry that sort of thing um it, but i think for me the film's the film's greatest strength was and I, Lenny hamsons other movies that i've seen all, all, like are shared by this is there are some great dark laughs in there laughs that are not, qu- not quite laughs and there, there's good slapstick in it too there's a, a terrific moment where Maggie Gyllenhaal punches Donald Gleeson yeah. in the face <laughs> um, someone's he- thinking in the key of C <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, the music also fantastic but th- there's a part where Donald Leeson's character takes him to America and Frank decides he wants to be m- uh, more commercial oh, yeah. and he performs something which he calls the likeable song and I was laughing for a good a good sixty seconds after that film. Yeah. I couldn't
1: that was so funny. I wish I hadn't seen it. I know it was in a trailer or a preview clip, but I'd seen it before so I knew
0: it was coming and it was still funny, but I would just wish that had that had just been sprung on me because Yeah, no, I, I hadn't seen it. That was the first I saw of it and uh, oh wow, really blew me away. Um for me, yeah, this was this was a, a really great film and it definitely gets a recommendation. Yeah. Um it's as well one thing that it's not just because it's an Irish film I'm telling you telling you just to go see this it's because it'll be a long time and a long time some more before you you see a film like this again this is a really unique beast and a great music film yeah well this is where I kind of diverge from like I did
1: I genuinely really enjoyed it but I feel like it's hampered by the attachment of it being quirky and unconventional because yeah when I first saw the promos I was like what the hell is this and you know I couldn't wait to see it and I, and I did enjoy it but um, you know, it's one thing to hide Michael Fassbender under a paper mache head, but when you know that it's Michael Fassbender under the paper mache head, it, it 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 adds marketing punch if anything. And I don't think it does so much towards the. I don't. I think
0: don't think it'll gain. Uh, first of all, it also has Maggie Gyllenhaal. Huh? Hmm. Um, but I don't think it'll gain a great deal from Fassbender. Uh, I don't think it'll gain a great deal of audience from Fassbender being there. Well, yeah, I'm hearing a lot of people saying like it's 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 a film you're either going to like or you're not, and I
1: wouldn't agree. I think it's probably the most conventional thing that any Abrahamson, Abrahamson has done, apart from asking us to pronounce his name. Hmm. Um, but and that's that's
0: again that's. But well, I a do criticism. think that I do think the head uh, has a functional thematic part in the story. Yeah, the whole idea of. I know you could now. To be fair, you could do this other ways. Um, yeah, it's the whole like idea that you know the. They are just people, essentially artists that are on pedestals, um, and they might seem ridiculous, but they are just people at the heart of it. And there were other ways you could do it. I but what really made the Frank bot- uh, Frank Sidebottom head enter the fold is it was uh, a, scribed by the old keyboard player from his band, John Ronson, who also wrote the minutes who stared goats, and I think that's the only reason it's there. Yeah. And I think the only reason Michael Fassbender's in it is because he read it and he said, this is, this is a well, damn good it, script.
1: It started off as a completely different script with uh, John Ronson, though. But no, m- my point is, like, and you were kind of hitting upon it there by saying you know, there's thematic value to the paper mache head. Yeah, like I guess. And Lenny, a- Lenny Abrahamson has spoken about this as well before he even made the film. Mm. About his you know scepticism of celebrity and the idea of putting people on pedestals. And yeah, you have the Twitter monologues throughout it as well.
0: And showing how kind of banal that's it is. a great uh, that's, yeah it's, it's a great that's very well dialogue. used and then that in sure Sher- the last season of Sherlock I thought did that to death with me but that was very bonnet. yeah I know it, it was it was very good in this
1: because he's just increasingly tweeting things that are just more and more divorced from reality mm. but um yeah I just don't think it's the dissection of art and celebrity that people think it is I think it's quite conventional mm. you get your happy ending you get your kind of boiled down structure and yeah there are dark notes in it but. I think it's quirky done as marketably as quirky can be done. And that's not a criticism. It absolutely isn't. But I just... It didn't... I, I struggle to think of an audience that won't find something to genuinely enjoy in it.
0: Oh, yeah. It's a it's a hugely enjoyable film yeah. and people should go to see it. Um, we'll leave that one for the moment now. The next one we've got is the directorial uh, debut of Jeremy Saulnier, um, writing, directing, and armed with 300 grand, he got off a Kickstarter fund this really blew me away. Blue Rune.
1: Yeah, and I kept meaning to, in the wrong to this and never got a chance to see who the hell picked it up because they've done well. Because Kickstarter you associate with indie, uh, Yes, I
0: can go down to Cineworld and Parnell Street and watch it and it's a great film. I would easily lump this in with the fantastic Coen Brothers debut Blood Simple. Easily. Mm. This... People gotta go see this movie. This film, it, open, it, it opens like this panning into a a, a steaming bathroom, a tattooed arm hanging out of a bath, and I pan around to see a heavily bearded face. This is uh, our main character, Macon Blair, who plays Dwight, who we've never seen anything before. And we hear a door opening downstairs, cut to the outside of the house, and this man, naked, carrying his clothes, leaps out the window, and we come to realize that he's a vagrant. And we go through about five minutes of of, of him living under piers, Reading by booklight in a car, the titular yeah. the blue rune of the title. Um, Going with, through tr- trash and yeah, work, yeah. Uh, e- e- like eating stuff and just having coffee and a torchlight and a book, and this is how he lives. And then a cop comes along to tell him that a certain somebody, we uh, we learn later that this guy murdered his parents. It's not a big spoiler to say that. No, it's about ten um, minutes in. That this guy has been released from prison, and. Dwight automatically begins to get his get his shit together and go on a bit of a, a revenge road trip. Um, but in the most like th- this, this is not revenge porn. This is violence begets violence. Horror existing in the world at, at the center of a centre of a theme. But also, I won't go to what ha- what has happened in the film by the end of the first twenty minutes. But it has relentlessly pu- punches the audience into a tense situation, and you do not leave that for the next yeah. seventy minutes.
1: I, I think like it's important to talk about what happens twenty minutes, and not as a spoiler, and not to mm. reveal it, but basically what. I loved so much about this film and what made me kind of watch it as you were telling me to go see it and I did mm. and at the start I was kind of like I just want to be at home in bed because I was wrecked and then 10 minutes in like I say it's a revenge story it dispenses with the entire structure that you expect it gets all of that out of the way in 10-15 minutes yeah. and from there it's another hour and a half of what the hell is going to happen next it's so it's tense. it's
0: as ballsy it's as ballsy a screenwriting move as John Doe handing himself in, <laughs> in 30 seven, minutes before yeah. the end of 7 yeah, because it's... Yeah, you're, you're expecting this structure, a Kill Bill-type format, and it just... This is a... Like, I've only ever walked out of one movie, and it was The Grudge. It was because it was too scary, and I made my so girlfriend... you just stay in the cinema the rest of the time, or did you say have only walked out of one? Uh, no, I, I walked out of The Grudge, I made my girlfriend come with me, and dragged her into The Incredibles. This is the closest I've come to walking out of a cinema since... Because the last fifteen minutes are so bloody tense that I was, it's it's nearly stressful. Like
1: I got some great abdominal workouts while watching it. So it was just there was a rock in the center of my stomach the entire time. Yeah, it it does something in a way. I don't know. I mean, I associate with good 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 visuals, but I think it's the script and obviously the performances. But the script, if, if you actually like, go back and watch it again no one speaks for 15 minutes mm. at the start of this film. no one speaks a great deal in it and you don't miss it you honestly no. like it's only one I when I was i'd say the entire thing was that, written in visuals yeah it's 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 um
0: cuz it's an action movie in the sense of um one that i could compare nearly to um all last year's all is lost with robert redford um, yeah where like there's a great deal of action Dwight is never idle in this Dwight is always doing something yeah,
1: but it's all screen direction and it's always function,
0: functional he's always yeah. doing something that needs to be done there's, a, like, a, there's a, like a terrific part of the film just where uh, he opens up the back of his boot reinserts the battery um, or, or even when he's hiding out inside a house and he balances a jar of coins against the door yeah. um, it's,
1: it's terrific yeah, there's something. I don't know if that's a commentary on like, being resourceful when you're homeless or mm. what it is, but um, yeah, the. For, for because me,
0: Dwight is a meek character.
1: Yeah, and this is what I, what I was going to say that the reason it's so tense for me is because maybe 20 minutes in after, again, not to go into here, but an incredibly violent thing has just happened. And it's very easy for something like that to happen early on in the film and it just dilutes any violence afterwards. Mm but and i think this is what it is he loses the beard he loses he becomes quite clean cut and you think maybe he's going to try and reassimilate into society but he's not really he's kind of hiding i suppose in plain sight but his sister turns around to him and says you haven't done what you've done because you're brave you've done it because you're weak mm. and you just see how scared he is and from 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 then on it just yeah i just you fear for him constantly despite the fact that he's He's doing these things and, and you, he's... Yeah, and you and you like him. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're rooting for him when you yeah. absolutely shouldn't be. There's one point in the film where I was actually rooting and it's a scene that you probably know when I say it, but he's in a tough situation and I was rooting for him to die just for it to end for him. Not because yeah. I want him dead but I just wanted, you know... I do,
0: I know the... the leave very... him alone, like... Um, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know though. This is in the car on his friend's land. Yeah. To say no more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the very same. And now, very interestingly enough, uh Jeremy Sunnier has been linked up with maybe directing a few episodes of uh, next season's uh, True Detective, the second season of True Detective. Um, he has already said in an interview that he would be absolutely delighted to take on that mantle. Um, but he hasn't confirmed whether or not be, there would be there has been talks on it. But I think that would be a great movie because they both exist in the exact same United States of awful, absolutely people like the, the rules, and
1: violence. That that hurts me to hear that because I was actually just about to say that I'd like to think that Blue Ruin exists in the same universe as True Detective I didn't know he was oh, there you he know. was picked out to direct it I yeah I'd love to see that absolutely mm. because he's well able to I mean, he'd be playing with much better toys. <laughs>
0: no, absolutely. Because yeah, although to take ta- nothing away from Mac on Blair, yeah, yeah terrific no. I don't mean film. I
1: don't mean the cast. I mean um, visually in this, like because I know it was Kickstarter, maybe I was projecting. There are times where you can kind of see this is shot on a red epic rather than you know mm. um, whatever they shoot True Detective on. With my expertise, but basically True like, Detective was so visually beautiful, I can see him being able to do the same thing it's all and right. sort of visually dense
0: there's one more film we want to talk about because we both uh, finally got around to seeing it this week after everybody giving out and we won't spend too much time on it but I enjoyed the shit out of Wally Fester's directorial debut Transcendence I really liked this this film Yeah, um, and it has been rubbished all the live it has been rubbished everywhere and I think the only reason it's being rubbished is uh, because it cost 100 million to make I think anyone who I feel like Wally
1: Pfister was going to um, suffer a lot not just in high school from his name probably <laughs> but also um, just from the fact that he was Nolan's cinematographer and there's a very specific look to Christopher Nolan's films that in transcendence you realise is as much Wally Pfister yeah, as yeah, Christopher Nolan. Yeah. It's kind of <laughs> his brand that had been let out. It absolutely is. I never point. thought
0: about it like that you know. And now yeah. it's especially in Inception and The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah
1: absolutely. My
0: goodness those are those are yeah. Yeah but I, I think the main those reason Those are Pfister films. <laughs>
1: Again, I think that's a different genre you're thinking of, but um, <laughs> sorry, sorry. But no, I think the main reason I went to see this, and the main reason I was so pleasantly surprised by it, is the terrible reviews. Um, yeah. People are, yeah, they're just crapping all over it, and I think it has. We were talking with this; it has one of the smartest scripts I've, I've, I've not read, but seen translated to so screen. It, in let's a while. jump
0: in the story just for two minutes, yeah. just so people, It's basically. Um, Johnny Depp, he's a, a technological genius, a computer genius, and um, he is toying with the idea of uh, mapping out a human brain with computers, something which his best friend Paul Bettany claims can never be done, and something which, which he receives an awful lot of help with from uh, Rebecca Hall, his wife, and then something which uh, uh, Morgan Freeman shows up, because hell, he's famous and he's worked with <laughs> Wally Fister before. He was a, mentor, think, <laughs> a men- mentor at some point, yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, a very interesting idea, a uh, anti-technology terrorists Um, yeah with a very cool
1: name Rift Rift. radical uh, something from technology radical intercession no from technology that doesn't make sense I don't
0: know just the same universe as Inception is Cillian Murphy there too?
1: He is, as the um, FBI agent. Oh, agents. yeah. God. And he's, he's just there in the
0: background in, in a pretty... What Fister just knowledge. called all his mates? Yeah. <laughs> and he's got them even better. But yeah, uh, eventually, yeah, the, the terrorists get around to Johnny Depp. It appears he might be dying and um, he uploads himself to a computer. But basically... The, Paul Bettany warns that um, this this won't be him this is just uh, m- uh, projections of the aspects of his personality yeah. that you're able to mirror if now you this, miss a single I, thing it's gonna you know you
1: won't know what you're dealing with yeah. I think is the line he's talking about
0: and uh, well basically now there's a line that's in the there's a line that's in the trailer that didn't actually make the film that really sold this differently it's Morgan Freeman going it would mean the end of humanity no, oh, yeah, that uh, was
1: the that was the obligatory, Morgan please come
0: in for five minutes and yeah. sit in the booth, we need to make a trailer. <laughs> it was just just silly because that's not what this film is about. This film, and I'm sure you'll get it from that synopsis we just gave, is a story that's been done many times before, just never well. Never this intelligently mm. or uh, respectful
1: of... There are leaps of faith they make with technology but... Absolutely, but you, you buy into them at the point because they've mm. established... I don't know it's 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 um yeah it deals with it in a again not not to be um try and be high about it, but it deals with it in, a, in a sociological way where it, it just kind of I think it implies at some point would we not be better off um if this machine were, were to to guide our actions like I, th- I think the, bi- the, the biggest thing about the film for me was the fact that there were there was room for three leads in it
0: yeah which um, they juggled very well
1: yeah Paul Bettany Rebecca Hall and, and Johnny Depp as uh, face on a screen for mm. most of it but all are brilliant in it and all
0: yeah no no one and there's 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 very good terrifying there's very good techno terror moments in it um, techno terror is something that originated with when, just when uh, you're, the robot from uh, 2001 starts getting creepy what's his name again Hal I'm actually looking at the blinking lights on the podcast yeah. machine here and it's rather <laughs> similar <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you've talked enough now, Don. sorry yeah. Um But yeah, no. When one of when Johnny Depp's machine type person repairs one of the workers at his plants, and then he turns around to Rebecca Hall and goes, "I can touch you now," and it's it's really like, "Whoa, Jesus!" Yeah, it's it's a real it's a, it's a, it's. A, but what is ultimately the strength of this is is something that James Cameron always tries to have on his side that at the very centre of this story there is a love story, and it's it it works it worked for yeah. me anyway I, re- I, I, I i was able to buy the characters i was able to sympathize with them and u- like ultimately like whenever you were wondering what was up with johnny depp's character i mean whether or not he was real or evil or anything you were hoping he wasn't
1: yeah absolutely like the, the, the moment and i think it's in the trailer so i don't think it's a spoiler but there's a moment where essentially he comes back in human form and there's just something about um haven't seen him on the screen for most of the thing, and you're supposed to distrust him the moment he steps into shot in human form. You're the first thing that came into my head is like, oh, they should hug or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and again, if you see the film, this is in the middle of a rather climactic scene, so I probably should have been thinking of something else. But
0: I, I, I really like this film. I think uh, that in a few years it'll get the recognition it deserves. Um, so I'm gonna maybe I'll pitch it in the same campsite as. Kevin Costner's 1995 masterpiece Waterworld
1: okay you can drown it there along with it (laughs) but uh, no uh, I think the most notable thing about it for me the thing I took away from it and that I didn't cop until the end credits is that uh, it was written by Jack Paglin Mm -hmm. who will also be writing the Prometheus follow up and what was the other one that we
0: mentioned which thank god they've got Damon Lindelof off that yeah don't give him anything this anymore. is the
1: thing about Prometheus we were giving out about it earlier I do not like the film that much at all but I still at the moment I heard there was a sequel I was still
0: that I, yeah. just, I just I just, cordoned
1: off the first one
0: set it mm. aside and went let's go again I think most of the foibles in why are we talking about Prometheus it's 2014 yeah. I think most of the foibles in Prometheus are you. if you look at Lindelof's other work are down to Lindelof just g- 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 gaps that he's willing to leave yeah. Um why do they turn into weird zombie things? I, I, no. why is Rory's cousin a moron he's <laughs> not a moron Oh, <laughs> I mean, the character he plays he's really <laughs> smart about rocks okay <laughs> but uh I, yeah, I hope Transcendence gets a second life because I enjoyed it quite a bit absolutely
1: and I'd love to see um, Wally Fister do something um I suppose I'd love to see him do a children of men style of sci-fi next <laughs> something that's like down and dirty and
0: to grips with yeah. realism dystopia yeah. and stuff like that yeah um, um Right, so uh, what not to see this week? Brick Mansions is still out, so uh, don't see that. Have you got any? Um, I haven't seen anything explicitly terrible, but I have something
1: that's in sitting on the fence between a recommendation and a don't inflict this on yourself, but maybe do. Have you ever heard of Alex Jones? He's like an American political commentator.
0: Yes, I have heard of Alex Jones. But he
1: also takes time out on his um, YouTube channel to dissect. He's mad about the Illuminati, basically. And I I stumbled across him uh, because I I was Googling Jack Paglin. And you know these weird odysseys you do through the internet where you Mm. just end up on something unrelated? Yes, yes, yes. I'd imagine it was a Prometheus connection. But I ended up on Alex Jones' channel where he was dissecting uh, Prometheus and talking about how it's Illuminati propaganda. Wow! And just no, what I love about it, what I absolutely love about it is, um, he believes what he's saying, and I'm not being condescending because from I, I am an English graduate, so is again. From our perspective, if you can say something and back it up with evidence from the
0: text, you, you're not really wrong. Hmm. And he can, and just seeing the way he does this to so many, he probably put more thought into Prometheus than David Lindeloff. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, if I have to give up something from the internet, I very recently rewatched um, the uh, uh, the Century of Self. Um, Oh, well, yeah, I'm always recommending yeah this, this documentary thing. and I will get around to it yeah, yeah, about the, the inventor of advertisement uh, that's one and it's all, all on this website called Thought Maybe it's very, It's available for free and yeah. it's very educational my turkey not to see this week is Brick Mansions my film to see this week is going to be Blue Rune um, yeah um, I'm going to have to go the same and say Blue Rune is Blue my Rune, film to see I, I enjoyed um, the hell out of Frank and it's an Irish film and everyone should see it
1: but Blue Rune is the best thing out this week Yeah, one, one last internet note actually um, did you hear somewhere in the last few weeks that Darren Aronofsky was um, trying to tackle a source material from the Bible uh, in a film uh, about an arc or something that might have flitted through cinemas and quickly been drowned?
0: I didn't hear yeah. Well, it. Yeah, it, well,
1: it's been released online, actually, in a quick two-and-a-half-minute form. Everything enjoyable about the film. <laughs> the quick creation of life sequence, stop-motion, get it on YouTube. Well worth a look. Have well a look at a that, look. and you've seen everything
0: enjoyable from Noah. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, <laughs> I saw uh, a bit bitchy, Mar- Mark Ramode referred to uh, uh, the poster for Noah as uh, Wet Gladiator which I, I thoroughly enjoyed because yeah. it's the same seal skin and, gladiator Yeah, only he's got a hammer instead of so very funny um, anyway we should be back soon we should have a Facebook page and a Twitter account very soon this is the uh, Film Ireland podcast essentially once we have those up and keep an eye out on the Film Ireland website we'd like you all to send us questions, suggestions anything you'd like except a change in personnel which we're not willing to negotiate on. Uh, we'll even take the death threats <laughs> on the wall. <laughs> It'll be quite exciting. Yeah. We're going to be back in our uh, little room sometime soon talking about movies. Uh, one's more current we promise Prometheus won't be brought up again Waterworld probably will. <laughs> uh, I'm Donica Tiernan. I'm Rory Moore. And goodbye for now. Be good. Goodbye now.